The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Philadelphia Eagles have improved to a stellar 12-1 after beating down the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium and are the first team this season to punch their ticket to the playoffs what's going on guys appreciate you for tuning into this episode of the epa podcast right here on bgn radio be sure to subscribe to bleeding green nation on all pod platforms so you don't miss a single episode of all the shows that they have going on i'm your host as always every week victor williams you can follow me on all social platforms at the philly pod do the same for my co-host my right hand man on this show you can follow him on twitter at half and half underscore tpl he is Shane Half. Boy, where do we even where where do we even go from here? Because well, for one, Michael Parsons has given us bulletin board material for, for Christmas Eve. But before we even get to that point, the Eagles, like I mentioned, 12 and 1, first team to clinch a playoff berth, uh, headed to Chicago to face uh, a player that a lot of people watch, and then they watch Jalen Hurts and they say maybe he can become this kind of player if we build the right right system around him. In Justin Fields, but man, to be to be twelve and one for everybody who was screaming that Washington gave gave everybody the blueprint. Now the Eagles are frauds and they're exposed. If you can't, uh, I, I said this on on my show earlier in the week. If you can't follow that same blueprint with Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley, then that's not a very good blueprint. I think you're going to need a new one to try and beat the Eagles. But man, twelve and one, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than this for the Eagles right now. I'm just glad they clinched a playoff spot. You know, that was touch and go for a while. I wasn't sure if they were going to make it. Um, Yeah, after the Washington game, when all the blueprint talk was out there, I said that if the blueprint is converting like a historic amount of third downs and relying on three fumbles, I'm fine with that being the blueprint to beat your team. And uh, that hasn't worked out so well, like you mentioned, for some teams with really good rushing attack. In the last three weeks, the Eagles defense has only allowed a 26% third down conversion rate. So. Uh, I don't think you want to rely on constantly getting to third downs and converting against this defense. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out too well, especially with the new additions that that has been brought in. They're slowly working Jordan Davis back into the defense. I'm sure he'll be more of a factor come uh, come the playoffs. But yeah, the Eagles are doing it all on both fronts. It's hard to watch this team and not think to yourself who is really going to step up to them and give them a hard time in the playoffs. Uh, I have my thoughts on on who might be the toughest matchup. We can we can talk about those. Uh, a little later but who else are we going to talk about to lead off the show other than the man of the hour the lead mvp candidate officially himself mr jalen hurts who not only added 77 more rushing yards but had another stellar day 
as a passer as well. 21 for 31 for 217 yards, two touchdowns, and another day without an interception. This brings him to 32 total touchdowns on the year to just three interceptions. Shane, you and I scream from the mountaintops from Twitter and on the show all day that we need to speak about his ball security. And I don't know if uh, if people are so stuck on passing yards and passing touchdowns. I think turnover ratio and, and passive rating are, are more of an indication of how good you are as a passer in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, people are going to look at Mahomes numbers and say, well, he's doing more with less. I don't understand the more with less discussion because he has one of the greatest tight ends to ever play. So <laughs> that kind of renders that conversation uh, uh, useless for me. But as I ask you every single week, and not that your answer is going to vary all that much, but what words do you even have left to describe what Jalen Hurts has been doing in 2022? Yeah, I mean, I don't, are there words left? Like I don't think so. Don't every think so. <laughs> every time you see a perceived weakness in the game, it's eliminated. I mean, it, we talk about the blitz and how that was problematic for them prior to the bye, and they play a Giants team that just blitzes the highest rate in the league. Wink Martindale loves to blitz, and Hertz went ten of sixteen for one hundred fifteen yards and a touchdown with a one hundred five passer rating against the blitz from the Giants on Sunday. Like. I don't know how you stop this team. You think about the other top offenses, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, and I'm not saying stopping them is easy, but I could give you a blueprint. Like if you wanted to stop them, you know, you want to stop the Chiefs, you probably bracket Travis Kelsey. Uh, you do some of their drop eight stuff. You know, there, there's a, there's things you can do. It's not easy to pull off because it's still Patrick Mahomes, but with the Eagles, I legitimately don't know how you construct a blueprint to beat this team because you can't have two safeties over the top to take away the vertical balls to Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown while also being plus two in the box to account for Hurts in the running game. Like, It's just not possible unless you put 13 guys on the field, which thankfully is still against the rules. So Some I, teams try it. Yeah, some, some teams try it. You can try it. I, I do <laughs> not know how you stop this offense. They just have to stop themselves. And like you said, Hertz doesn't do that. He has three interceptions this year, uh, only one of which was his fault. Two of them went off of receivers' hands. He's got like two lost fumbles on the year, I think. Mm -hmm. Just takes care of the football. Uh, very efficient. The book last year on Hertz was keep him in the pocket and make him beat you with his arm. And if you're going to tell him to do that this year, he will do it every single time. Hertz this season has 388 passing attempts, which means that he is throwing one interception for every 130 pass attempts. Every 130 times Jalen Hurts drops back and throws the ball as an interception. That is obscene, like, ball security. And I had to do that at 24 years old, and I'm pretty sure that he is uh, fourth now, I think, um, in a uh, in, in turnover to interception ratio in, in history. I think Gardner Mishu is uh, second. So we got two of the quarterbacks who are some of the best at taking care of the, four, at the football. I'm sure Gardner Minshew is going to mention that in free agency next offseason when he hopes to start somewhere. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's getting near nearly impossible to stop this team on offense. And now it becomes even more difficult because Dallas Goddard's 21-day window was just activated. Shane, we somehow survived the days without Dallas Goddard. Grant Calcaterra and Jack Stahl contributed the most they have since since Goddard has went down. I think they each had two catches. Um, so, the, so the Eagles got by without Dallas Goddard. Now that he's back in the mix, the rich get richer, essentially. So how do you expect this offense? I don't think it's going to change a whole lot, but how vital is this piece now that Dallas Goddard is returning to, to the lineup and is hopefully going to be healthy for this playoff push? Yeah, shout out to Grant Calcaterra and Jack Stoll. They both I thought, yeah. played good games on Sunday, had some good blocks, couple catches. Uh, 
by the way, an aside, shout out to Miles Sanders and pass protection. He had some really good pass protection reps on mm-hmm. Sunday, but we talked about the difficulties this team would face if Dallas got or got injured. And then he did. And the Eagles offense faltered for a couple weeks, but over the last three weeks, the offense has averaged 43 points per game and 468 yards per game without the second best tight end in the NFL. And so he's going to come back now. I mean, obviously you probably have a more reduced role for Quez Watkins once he comes back mm-hmm. uh, yep. just, and that's just the nature of the thing. There's only so many balls to go around, but I would rather be throwing the ball as good as, you know, as much as I like Quez Watkins, I'd rather be throwing it to Dallas Goddard. I think I mean, he makes, we've talked about it. He makes the run game better. He makes the RPO game better. He makes every aspect of the game better. So this offense should only get better as Goddard is eased back into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're all, that's what we're all hoping for. Uh, Quez uh, had four catches on Sunday, I believe, but it was good to see him uh, see his usage increase and see him uh, take take advantage of it. I know he's probably going to have to revert back to a uh, rotational role for the most part when Dallas Goddard returns. Um, but but it's good to know that we have have a player who can step up if if something happens to one of our guys. And speaking of one of our guys, we have two of them that have just continuously showed that they can each be wide receiver ones whenever the situation calls for it. Devontae Smith, as well as A.J. Brown. Uh, uh, One week after they each became the first receiver to each have 100 yards in the same game, they continue that trend in this one against the Giants. Four catches, 70 yards, a touchdown for A.J. Brown. Uh, Devontae Smith, five catches, 64 yards, and one touchdown. Before we get into the greatness that those two uh, have have, have been this season, Uh, Shane, I want your thoughts on schematically or maybe instinctually what Julian Love thought or was trying to do on that touchdown to Devonta Smith because because I think this is a result of like the rule changes in the NFL because if this was maybe like 10 to 15 years ago I think Devonta just gets crushed on that he just, he just gets laid out and Julian Love is just standing over him and, and it, it unfortunately might be an injury um, but Julian Love is trying to avoid that head-to-head contact but why don't you at least try to like bat the ball down, like try to disrupt the pass? He he like completely misread that throw. And luckily for, for us, Devontae plays so fearless that he's not afraid of the hit or whatever is coming. So he caught that and was able to run into the end zone. Uh, what do you think Julian Love was was trying to do? Was he trying to like Rodney McLeod that thing, like lay the boy out like he did on the Rams? <laughs> what was what was the thought process, do you think, from 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 the giant safety? Yeah, I don't know. I saw Devonta Smith's life flash before my eyes. It when, looked when bad, didn't it? And, it <laughs> and it was a good ball by Hertz. He put it in the right spot. He probably should have looked. It's single high safety. You probably got to look that off a little more. Don't let him get that break out there. But um, I, I don't know what he was. It's fourth and seven. I felt like he was trying to line that up for the interception and misplayed it. And then at the last second, maybe he was like, oh, it's actually fourth down. I don't need to intercept it. I just need to knock it down or hit the receiver. I don't know. It felt like there was some indecision there from what to do. But uh, Julian Love definitely should have been able to break that up. He had the jump on the ball. He gets to the location. And I, it reminded me of this. Was it the Saints and the Vikings uh, playoff mm-hmm. game a few years ago? Oh, yeah. The guy the just totally whiffed. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what it reminded me of. But a uh, fortunate break for the Eagles there that, should have been a turnover probably and they get a touchdown out of it instead yeah and then the other mishap on the aj brown touchdown was that a linebacker matched up on aj brown is that what the giants tried to do uh i i saw some uh tweets about it i haven't watched uh the the play from the all 22 version so i don't know who was exactly uh, matched up on brown but if the giants were the ones that decided to throw a linebacker on, on somebody of aj brown's caliber then uh that's exactly what's going 
that's going to happen. So the two guys uh, continue to to be one of the best wide receiver duos that not only in the NFL this year, but might be that we've seen uh, uh, in Philadelphia, period. A.J. Brown joins the uh, the 1,000 club. He clips 1,000 yards receiving this year, as we all know, for the first time since Macklin in 2014. A lot of milestones since 2014 were clinched in this in this game. Another guy was uh, was uh, Miles Sanders, who joined the 1K club as well. First time in his career, first time since McCoy in 2014. Shane, I don't know what your uh, stance was prior to the year, because uh, we weren't obviously doing the show prior to the year, on Miles Sanders and what you thought of him or what you were hoping for coming into the year. But has he surpassed your expectations? Is he a guy that you are interested in bringing back? Because I know... Uh, the Todd McShays of the world, for whatever reason, think that we're going to pay Bijan Robinson as a rookie more than what Miles Sanders <laughs> would cause. But your just your uh, thoughts on what Miles has been this year, and if you if you think that after a season like this, the Eagles would be interested in in trying to resign him or extend him, rather. Yeah, I, I've never I was never the biggest Miles Sanders guy. Uh, he's definitely exceeded my expectations this season. I've said before, I think he's got the easiest job in the NFL because two things make a running back's job easier. One is having an elite run-blocking offensive line, which the Eagles certainly have. The other is having a mobile quarterback. Uh, mobile quarterbacks make your running back so much more effective as well. So he does have an easier job, but uh, he's been impressive with his vision and his decisiveness running. And I mentioned earlier, even his pass blocking, that's been a weakness of his. He still hasn't been very involved in like the passing game, but uh, Sanders has played really well. I still probably wouldn't resign him. And it's not because I don't like Sanders as a player. It's just, I don't want to commit much cap. Like somebody on Twitter was talking about what if they signed him to 10 million a year as like, that's the sixth highest paid running back in the NFL. Like yeah. with so many guys to pay, uh, I would much rather focus on keeping some other pieces. Now there's a lot of guys hitting free agency at running back this year. So maybe that drives the market down. Like I would love to have Sanders back. I just probably wouldn't pay him big money to see that happen. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Josh Jacobs leads that camp. Uh, free agents got Kareem Hunt in the mix. You got David Montgomery in the mix. You got some names out there. And maybe it'll be so saturated that it's going to bring down these prices because teams can just say, well, if we don't if we don't sign you, we can go sign one of the other 10 running backs that are in free agency. So maybe Miles will take a deal to stay in Philadelphia. I'm not sure what exactly his intentions will be in the offseason, but good on him. A career high, 144 yards. On 17 carries, two touchdowns. He's been in in another gear this year. Um, he he's coming in hard, and most importantly, uh, he's healthy, which was another thing uh, pe people were giving him scrutiny for when he was dealing with so many injuries uh, in the years prior. So hopefully he's healthy for the postseason, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens in the offseason. But good on good on Miles Sanders uh, to talk defensively. For a second, Shane, the Eagles have a good shot at having four guys that might hit double-digit sacks this year because Hassan Reddick is already there at 10. You have Brandon Graham at 8.5. You have Javon Hargrave at 8. And you have Josh Sweat at 7.5. The Eagles have now overtaken Dallas for the, uh, the NFL lead for sacks at 49 total. Do you remember how much they had they had last year? It was like 29, wasn't it? Yep, 29. Yeah, yeah. third to the last. And now they have near, they're probably going to double that this year and and Hassan Reddick who in the beginning of the year people were like well he's not he's not getting to the quarterback what's going on Hassan Reddick is coming to his own Josh Sweat another guy we were saying we wanted to see consistency from Brandon Graham who was 34 on track for perhaps comeback player of the year consideration and, and Javon Hargrave another guy who's going to hit uh free agency for guys that give Jonathan Gannon a lot of flack these last few weeks have been tough to swallow Tough to swallow for them. What are your thoughts on this defensive, uh, this defensive front for Philadelphia, and how have they been so 
masterful at getting to the quarterback, not only against the Giants, but, but in this season. Yeah, they also passed Dallas for the top of the leaderboard for ESPN's pass rush win rate metric as oh, well. Wow. So they're number one in that. And do we value any metrics from ESPN or? <laughs> I, li- I like that. I like their their pass rush and uh, uh, run win rates. And I, I forgot how they termed that one. I like their I like their trench play uh, stuff there. It, but, um, so they're not their chances to the- make the Super Bowl. Not those not those percentages. Yeah, I'm not sure where they're coming up with that. But uh, the Eagles pressured Daniel Jones on 55 percent of his dropbacks. Uh, now, obviously, Tyrod Taylor gets in on the action at the end, but. Those two guys combined took seven sacks. They had 33 pressures. Uh, Brandon Graham with the three sacks, like he got his first one. And I tweeted out that he has six and a half sacks now. And I just want to see him hit double digits in his career because he's never done it. And then he got two more. So he's only a sack and a half away from hitting double digits for the first time. Hassan Reddick had nine pressures. Uh, With Reddick and Sweat off of the edge, if you get to a third and must pass situation opposing quarterbacks just pray that they survive and it's just incredible to watch those two guys off the edge sweat is so good uh he's so good at speed rushing and bending back you know getting back inside Hassan Reddick's just pure speed off of the edge Uh, he wins with his he wins with his first step or he doesn't win as win at all but he wins with that first step so frequently and Johnny Page mentioned on the post game show he's like you know what Javon Hargrave did in this game he didn't even have a tackle and nobody even noticed because that's how good this pass rush, this front seven is playing Fletcher Cox in a lesser role. Now being able to just rush the passer is coming alive. Brandon Graham, they've managed his snaps so well. Uh, the, the pass rush is for real and it's pass rush and coverage work together. Part of the reason the pass rush couldn't get home last year was because the coverage stunk. They're getting home this year and it's partially because the coverage is good, but the coverage also looks so much better because quarterbacks just have no time to sit back there. So uh, the defense is playing really well at, at this point in the season. Yeah, if you would have told me before the year that Brandon Graham is going will be on track for double digit sacks at, at 34 years old, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have believed it. The management for him has been stellar. He's looked explosive coming off that that devastating injury last year. It'll be interesting to see what what they do after the year. Brandon Graham even said after the game that he's taking it all in because he can't even believe that he's already suiting up for Chicago. It feels like the year had just started, but Bannon Graham, uh, Walter Payton, uh, man of the year nominee, I believe for, for, for the Eagles. Uh, so always a great human being, a guy that's been here, uh, uh, for the entire duration of his career, a guy that got a lot of flag early in his career, <laughs> but then finally, uh, uh, turned a new leaf, obviously was a, uh, uh, integral role in the, in the Super Bowl, And now is might might get his first double digit sex season of his, of his career. So very happy for, for Brandon Graham on, on that front. I uh, wanted to touch on some of the, uh, the injuries and the roster moves that have been made since because Aaron Sipos, despite his heroic efforts, who, who was picked up that ball, tried to gun it for that, for that first out. He suffered a, a lower leg injury. He's on IR. The Eagles have since brought in Brett Kern uh, from the from the uh, a former Tennessee Titan to handle punts. He seemed like he was a, a good option when I had heard that the Eagles had signed him. I was wondering why he was even available in the first place, but it's not like punters are a sought after uh prospect in week 15 so 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 it, it makes sense and then reed blankenship who, who was carted off with a knee injury the eagles have since added uh anthony harris back to the practice squad anthony harris caught on with denver uh, obviously was cut after uh howie roseman traded for cj gardner johnson 
they wanted to give uh, Anthony Harris a fair chance to start elsewhere. He was with Denver for a little bit. They waived him last week, and the Eagles happily brought him back to the uh, to, to the practice squad. Um, so, Shane, I don't expect you to have a ton of uh, thoughts in regards to, uh, to to punters. But as far as Anthony Harris, there's much debate on what does he add? Is he better than Kayvon Wallace? Is he better than the potential options we would have in maybe the cross-train Josiah Scott who you could throw back there in certain scenarios? Uh, what, what's your take on bringing back the veteran who I thought was fairly decent last year? He led the secondary with 72 tackles. Um, I wasn't sure what the uh, the whole uproar was for bringing a guy back like Anthony Harris. You're not going to find too many players who know the system and can just, you know, pop right in and play in week 15. Yes. I've seen people asking, uh, is Anthony Harris, Anthony Harris, he's not even good. And the thing is that being good, isn't the bar being better than Kevon Wallace is the bar. And that's a significantly lower bar. Uh, Wallace has been awful this season. He was awful last week uh, when he had to come in. Uh, He's just not a good football player. And so what I'd rather have, (laughs) Anthony Harris back there than Kevon Wallace. Yeah, I, I don't think Harris was great last year. He was he was fine. He's a replacement level player, maybe, uh, maybe slightly below that. But as far as things you're going to go sign off the street in week 15, that's about as good as it's going to get. I did wonder if they would put Josiah Scott at safety. He cross trained there a little bit now that Avante Maddox is back. It, and they may still do that. I don't know what their plans are, but. Uh, anything that gets Kevon Wallace off the field defensively, I think, is a good move uh, for the team. So regardless of what Harris is able to give you, I, I feel better about him back there than Wallace. Yeah, I think anybody that we can watch back there instead of Kevon Wallace, is, is is that's why we saw Anthony Harris. We've seen him play already. We know that he knows uh, Jonathan Gannon's system. He basically uh, ran with the first-team defense all throughout training camp until until CJ was uh, was brought here. So he knows how to play alongside Marcus Epps. Right now, the only healthy safeties are Epps and uh, and Wallace, unless uh, Harris gets called up. So um, when you when you have Blankenship on IR and CJ obviously can't come back into the Saints game, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna do much better than that. So I was just uh, intrigued on why I saw the uh, saw the uproar for bringing the guy back, like like Anthony Harris. He had no option at this point. You need the depth. You need the depth. Is is, is where we're at here. Um, any final points you wanna you, you wanna hit on as far as this Eagles? And, and Giants game, obviously Jalen Hurts uh, uh, surpassing Patrick Mahomes in the odds. According to the sports books, he's now the odds-on favorite for a MVP award. It's essentially a two-man race because the third guy behind them now is Joe Burrow. So uh, so Tua, after that ridiculous Sunday night game, and uh, and uh, uh, Josh Allen, they've, they've fallen off. So it's essentially a two-man race uh, for, 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 for MVP now, any final points you want to, uh, make on, make on their, uh, dominating win over, over the giants on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. One of the things that the Eagles have just been so good at this year is their early down success rate, like what they're able to do on first and second down. Uh, I, I was playing around with models and numbers earlier this week, and I tweeted this out, but the Eagles early down EPA, so their estimated points added, it's 28% higher than second place. So on early downs, they're 28% better than the second best team in the NFL. And if you look just at their rushing EPA, it's nearly 500% better than second place. Like you put that number in and you get a 500% difference and you want to double check your math and make sure you didn't screw something up. And I didn't like the Eagles are so good running the ball on early downs. Uh, they're so good in general on early downs. And it sets up easy, you know, well, it sets up not even getting to third downs, which obviously makes it better. You look at a team like like the Chargers and their whole 
offense is like predicated on let's get to third and three and then convert it. And the Eagles just don't even get to third down because they're so good on early downs. And it gives them so much margin. Like we saw some drop passes in this game and they just have that margin because they're so explosive. They're such a good football team offensively. Uh, There's a little bit of a cyclical nature to the NFL. Teams play really well. They start to struggle. You look at the Bills, like they lit the world on fire at the start of the year and they've struggled the last few weeks. The way the Eagles are playing right now, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that can beat them. The trick at this point becomes sustaining that over the next four weeks of the regular season. Uh, really not all four of those are important. Sustain it over the next two or three weeks of the regular season. Get your rest and then be able to hit the ground running in the playoffs. Because if they're able to keep this up, I really don't know who they lose to. But you got to be aware. you got to be afraid of that little bit of fall off. So, uh Hopefully they continue to innovate. They continue to keep pushing forward, but the offense has just been so phenomenal uh, over the last month of the season. Mm -hmm. And to your point, even when they do get to third down and fourth down, in most cases, because Sirianni goes for it so often, the Eagles uh, even convert those at a a high rate. It's hard to understand what Jalen Hurts is going to do on third downs between his legs. Uh, You made the point earlier that you're not going to be able to, regardless of what the personnel and the scheme is, you're not going to contain Jalen Hurts and whatever it is he decides to do on third down because now it's not just the rush they have to be worried about. Now he's proven he can beat you with his arm and deep at that. So it's going to be a tough, a tough nightmare for the, uh, for the, for the defensive coordinators to try and figure out uh, before we go to break. Since you brought it up, we were uh, uh, thinking about teams that could probably give the Eagles uh, a hard time in, in the playoffs before last week. I was saying like, man, it might be, it's probably Dallas. who might be like <laughs> the second best team in the NFC. Like even thinking about the possibility of the Eagles Dallas NFC championship game is, is mind boggling to evil consider, but man, I don't know if you've been watching uh Brock Purdy, but this 49er squad ain't, ain't, ain't nothing to slouch at. I don't know how much this, how longer this like Lynn sanity run of Brock Purdy is, is, is going to last. I don't know if this is just catching lightning in a bottle and he'll fall off and play like a, like a backup quarterback, but he's making some throws out there that not a lot of guys can make. Certainly Jimmy G's not making. So <laughs> you got Trey Lance on the sidelines watching him like, Oh man, I don't only have to worry about Jimmy G now. Now this guy Brock can, can play a little bit too. Uh, who would you say in the NFC would pose as the biggest threat to the Eagles as far as, as getting to the Super Bowl? Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy in the second quarter of their game <laughs> against the Buccaneers. He completed more deep touchdown passes outside the numbers than Jimmy G has in the last three years combined. Like ever. Yeah. That's just that's just crazy. Uh, of course, the 49ers lose Debo Samuel to the high ankle sprain. Yeah, so that's a shame. That can tend to linger. And so, you know, that factors in. But the Cowboys are a very good football team. At the end of the day, I just think the Eagles match up pretty well with the Cowboys. I, I think they're a pretty good matchup. Honestly, the 49ers are a more scary team to me uh, in the NFC. And yeah, they've got Brock Purdy, but it's been two weeks here of him playing well. Uh, obviously there's usually, you know, you get a backup come in and he plays really well for a game or two, and then it falls off as teams get taped and maybe that happens. But if anybody can put together a run with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, you take a look at the offensive weapons that they have and, you know, they have Shanahan and then the defense that they have with D'Amico Ryan's like that scares me a little more than the Cowboys. Uh, you saw what the 49ers did to the dolphins who had the high flying offense. Nobody thought you were going to stop them and, they sort of put out a blueprint that the Chargers followed and stopped them now. So I'm more scared of the 49ers than I am the Cowboys when it comes to the playoffs. Not that I'm scared of either, but D'Amico Ryans is incredible at his job. 
Uh, if anybody's going to be able to make the Eagles defense or the Eagles offense stumble, I think it could be them. And then, you know, you get Shanahan against Gannon and I, Shanahan's a very good designer and he's worked with just general competency at quarterback his whole career. And if Brock Purdy continues to be competent and they can stay healthy, I, I think they're still a pretty scary team come playoff time. Yeah, that's what's special about the 49ers because you can seemingly plug in like a quarterback just in the in that system. And Shanahan is so good offensively that it kind of doesn't matter. It also it almost makes me wonder what that offense would look like with a with a quarterback that's above that's above average. This is why I latch myself onto the idea that maybe Lamar Jackson could, could you imagine <laughs> Lamar and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, like a healthy Debo Samuel in George conjunction Kittle. with Kittle yeah. and Kittle, who's like obviously not 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 the same player he was and, and use check. And Shanahan would be cracked out. That man wouldn't know Brandon wouldn't know what to do. Brandon Ayuk, who's very good. I loved him in the draft, by the way. So every time I watch him, I'm like, man, he is a – I knew his route running ability was was special. I watched a lot of it uh, uh, in college. He was a contender for what I, uh, one of the receivers I wanted the Eagles the Eagles could take. Another potential Lamar fit. I don't know how we got on the on the topic of Lamar Jackson, but uh, the Jets, the Jets, if they, the Jets fan, they, they literally are a quarterback away from – from uh, from from being a good team because it's the Mike White show. He's banged up. Zach Wilson obviously seems like that experiment's going to be going to be over. So so fun stuff there. But yeah, the 49ers, I think pose pose the biggest threat. Uh, Debo, to your point, goes down though. All the stars align. The minute we think a contender might emerge, something happens and the stars continue to align uh, for the Eagles. Everybody's coming back healthy. Jalen Hurts is playing as good as football as I've ever watched. Have you ever seen uh, a more inspiring transformation at the quarterback position? I tried to think myself. So what kind of leap? Because before the year, everybody was screaming, uh, um, you know, Josh Allen leap. And we need to I think this is bigger than the Josh Allen leap. I can't remember a bigger transformation at quarterback in one offseason ever in my life of watching football. Granted, I'm only 29. So it's not like I've watched the, good, the greats back in the day. But, man, I don't know the last time I've seen such a such a resurgence from a guy who at times looked lost last season, especially in that wild card game. Yeah, no, I, I can't. None come to mind. It's pretty unprecedented what he's been able to do you know, since February or January of last year. It's, 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 it's surreal. Sometimes I go back and watch that tape and I'm like, man, it doesn't even look like, it doesn't even look like the same guy anymore. It's crazy. We're going to go to a quick break guys. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and preview uh, the upcoming Sunday matchup with the Eagles and the Chicago bears with Justin Fields at the helm, healthy Justin Fields at the helm. It might be a QB rushing marathon. We'll see how, how that goes. But stay tuned right here to the EPA podcast on bleeding green nation. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back here from break. We're going to break down the Eagles' upcoming matchup, traveling to Soldier Field. I think it's still called Soldier Field to play the Chicago yes, Bears <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, Victor, the, the Bears are not a good football team. They're currently slated for a top three pick in the draft, uh, but they have been an exciting football team over the last. So are month. we. Yes. So are we. We're slated for a top pick. <laughs> that that is true. Very true. Um, but they have been a more exciting football team over the last month of the season as their coaching staff has figured out that if you actually design an offense for your mobile quarterback, you might be a better football player. So uh, what do you make of the Bears? Uh, what it, Here's something that I thought was interesting. So you go look up their stats and it's just not good. But if you limit it to just since the start of November, kind of when they started the shift in their offense, uh, they are, they rank eighth in total EPA offensively since the start of November. They're 11th in drop back EPA and sixth in rushing EPA. So although this has been a bad offense uh, on the year as a whole, if you limit it to a little more narrow scope, once they've started to use Justin Fields more as a runner and in design rollouts and things like that, this is actually not a half bad offense. Uh, what what do you expect from the Bears offense when they face off against an Eagles defense that's been top of the league so far this season? Hey man, Justin Fields has been one of the most exciting players to to watch this year. He's had uh, rushes of 50 yards or longer in three of his last four games. Uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, Miami game where he was running all over the <laughs> running all over the place. He had a, a 67 yarder against Detroit. This man is is a human highlight reel when the Chicago Bears decide to use him right because I guess they came to the conclusion that all right, he's not a pocket passer, or at least not the level that we need him to be just yet. So let's just get him in space and see what he can do with the football. And he's been doing a lot of things. And in conjunction with that, he's been able to throw the football a lot more effectively now because now the defense, similarly to Jalen Hurtastic's respective run, and once you have to pay attention to two threats at once, uh, doing basic things as a quarterback becomes becomes a little bit easier. But Chicago as a whole is not a not 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 that great on offense. To your point, uh, I think Khalil Herbert is on IR, um, so they have uh, I don't know the health status of Darnell Mooney. I think he got hurt at, at some point, so I'm not sure who. Justin Fields is throwing to at, at this juncture, but hey, any Chicago team that has a that has a, a Justin Fields at quarterback that can get out in space and and as we've all seen, um, the Eagles could uh, become susceptible to, to to the run, although they didn't let Daniel Jones get free get free a whole lot. But a, a guy with the athleticism of Justin Fields, maybe the Eagles get a taste of of, of what it's like on Sunday. But I think they'll be well equipped considering they practice against Jalen Hurts every day. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, Darnell Mooney is out for the year with an ankle injury. Yeah, I knew he got hurt. I didn't know what his what his status was. Yeah, and he's the only receiver for the Bears with over 20 receptions this season. So very thin at the receiver position for the Bears, of course. Um, but it's all about Justin Fields. It's about what he is able to do uh, on the ground with his legs. Uh, the Bears lean into that. They run a lot of, as you would expect, they do a lot of play action, a lot of design rollouts. They're top five in the league on both play action passes uh, and utilizing designed rollouts. They have very good success rates when using those. So it's going to be really important for the Eagles uh, as they pass rush to stay in lanes, maintain integrity. Like they've been used to pinning their ears back and going to get the passer. And I'm not saying they should stop doing that, but uh, there's got to be a little more uh, cautiousness because you don't want to let him get loose. I've heard people say, you know, you should spy on Justin Herbert, or not Justin Herbert. Uh, you should spy on Justin Fields. And I'm here to tell you there is not a linebacker in the NFL that can spy on Justin Fields and make it work consistently. He's he's the most athletic. In my opinion, Justin Fields is the best runner 
at the quarterback position in the NFL. He's better than Lamar at that. Uh, he, he's so dynamic with the ball in his hands. I mean, he, he's essentially like a running back once the ball is in his hands and he's downfield. So not that he can't throw nice deep balls. He's done it. Uh, he just doesn't have the best receivers to work about. Threat number one in this game is is uh, him running the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his – I pulled up his receivers now. So we got Dante Pettis. We got uh, Chase Claypool when he's only been there for five games. And we got uh, – I don't know how to say this guy's name. St. Brown starts with an E. Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah, there you go. Yep, he's there. So for, as far as the season, St. Brown, 17 catches, 280 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Pettis, 14 catches, 202 yards, two touchdowns. Chase Claypool during his Chicago tenure, 12 catches, 111 yards, zero touchdowns. So those are like uh, not – this is what it felt like to be an Eagles fan. If you're a Chicago fan looking at these numbers, welcome to the world of Eagles fandom prior to this prior to this season or prior to the Devontae Smith days because this is exactly what, uh, 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 what it is. So as far as uh, managing those receivers, obviously Darius Slay and James Bradbury are, are much <laughs> well-equipped for that task of containing those guys. Um, but to your point, yeah, it's going to be the, the the Justin Fields show. If he's gonna he's gonna have to, to to make some things happen to keep Chicago remotely competitive in this game. The only thing that might go in Chicago's favor is that the Eagles may know not that this team ever looks ahead to anything, but maybe the Eagles know that like regardless of what happens in this game, we clinch the NFC East if we beat Dallas next week. So maybe like the Eagles will be slightly unprepared, like but we know how how this team is. So I I don't even think that'll be the case. Um, but yeah, this, this, this Chicago team, at least offensively, that doesn't pose a whole lot of threats for the defense. Yeah. On the flip side, they can, they can still clinch the NFC East if they win their three games and lose the Dallas game. So yeah, it yeah, gives them another, some margin another. there. Um, <laughs> and, and you well, look we know, at, we know they'll play the saints game because they're incentivized the, the, for that pick. So we know they're going to at least try in the Saints game. So. Yeah. And, and uh, he holds the ball. Justin Fields holds the ball forever. He's got a time to throw of 3.12 seconds this season, which is the longest in the NFL. The only other player over three seconds is Zach Wilson. So he's going to hold the ball. He's going to try to extend plays and buy time, and it's going to give the Eagles pass rush an opportunity uh, to get home. But one of the things you don't want to do, I think, against Fields is you don't want to blitz. Uh, his passer rating jumps from 77.8 to 103.7 when he's blitzed and you just it's he's not the kind of guy that you want to flush out of the pocket when you blitz all of a sudden you start to lose gap integrity and you've got less guys with eyes on the quarterback and so I don't think you see a blitz heavy game from Gannon here but the most important thing in my opinion the Eagles can do is they just need to win early downs if you can take play action away from fields he's so much better when utilizing play action uh, his yards per attempt rises. His touchdown to interception ratio is uh, twice as good. His passer rating jumps like 20 points. If you can get them in situations where play action is not a threat because we know you're not running on third and 12. I mean, you might scramble, but it's not a run play. <laughs> it's not a design run. Yeah, least. it's not a design run. All of a sudden you get in an advantageous situation. So although their offense has been decent over the last five or six weeks, I think this is a matchup that the Eagles should dominate. Uh, they should dominate the Bears defense. Yeah, they should. Uh, across the board, the Bears defense is quite literally terrible. They are what? What is the uh, what is the numbers here? They have the thirty second ranked defense overall per DVOA. You're a big DVOA guy, so 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 you like that. Thirty first against the pass, 29th against the run. 
30 uh they are 31st against the pads 29 against the bun and literally have no experience in the secondary and they have a league worst 16 sacks league worst 16 sacks and this is a team that gave up robert quinn who hasn't done anything for us so so when you would you it's bad like the, you we, we talk about the eagles pick your poison offense I don't. I think the Eagles will literally be able to do whatever they want. If they want to throw it, they can. If they want to run it, they can. They can just probably do both. So, so it's it's going to be tough competitively. The only way Chicago is going to stay competitive is a shootout offensively. If they can, if they can stay in this game, 35-28, maybe maybe it might be it might be a chance for them to 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 win it. But I just think the Eagles steamroll this team and and it's on to Dallas on Christmas Eve. Yeah, the, since the start of November, their defense is dead last in EPA they're dead last and drop back EPA and they're nearly double the second to worst team so like they're twice as bad as the second worst pass defense in the NFL yeah. it's just incredible incredibly in Chicago and incompetent then <laughs> yeah uh here, here's a fun here's some fun stats for you uh, so safety oh, Jaquan Brisker he is, I like him Penn State guy right yeah Penn State guy he is tied oh. for the most sacks on the Bears with three yeah. sacks <laughs> It's my guy right there. <laughs> he's rushed the passer 20 times and he's tied for the team lead in sacks. Uh, you want to take a guess at who is who ranks third for the Bears in pressures this season? Uh, well, it can't be the player. So it's not Quinn because he's not there anymore. It can't be uh, the other guy. that It, that it, it, it is Quinn. He's been oh, gone. Quinn? He's been gone for like been a gone. month and a half and he's still number three for the Bears in pressures this season. Oh, my God. Like you mentioned, they they do not have a pass rush. I mean. In two of the last three weeks, they've allowed 27 points to the Marcus Mariota-led Falcons and 31 points to the Mike White-led Jets in two of the last three weeks. It, it's a bad defense. Um, now, I've heard – I'm not sure on this. I heard there might be some snow in the forecast, so that could definitely – I wouldn't say favor the Bears. It, it would be nice for the Bears if it took the teeth out of the Eagles' passing defense, whereas the Bears don't have as much of a passing offense that the Eagles have to worry about. So I guess it slightly favors them, but the Eagles are the best running team in the league. You want to force them to run more. Like They can win either way, but if there's not snow, if it's not just an awful weather game, this could – I mean, this should be another Jalen Hurts 400 yards, get him out at the beginning of the fourth quarter sort of performance. Yeah, I was about to say you're telling me Jalen Hurts is gonna is gonna be benched in the fourth quarter for a third game in a row. Do you when was the last time starters got pulled three games in a row? Has this ever happened in the NFL? I need to go back in the encyclopedia. <laughs> NFL teams don't hardly ever pull starters. I mean, right. it just doesn't happen very often. And so to happen two weeks in a row, maybe three weeks in a row, I, I don't know. I don't have any idea on that. For Jalen Hurts to lead MVP conversation with the stats he has when he doesn't play in the fourth quarter in a lot of these games, it's right. It is it is it is wild. Uh, I mean, as far as the Patrick water, Mahomes is obviously a better leader. He doesn't leave his team in the fourth quarter. He plays the whole game. No, he doesn't. That, I think I think game. ESPN wrote that article, right? Yep. He is the he's he he doesn't he doesn't care if he's up 50. You're not taking me out, coach. You're not taking me out. <laughs> also also doesn't take uh, as many hits as Jalen Hurts either. So that is uh that is that. You brought up the weather. It looks like gusts of 21 miles per hour are expected. Uh don't know about snow, but I think the one area that that could affect it if if weather is not favorable to special teams, but the one team or the one area that that can kind of that can kind of uh lack for the, for the Eagles. They've been good in recent weeks, but now you have a new punter to worry about which means a new holder, because Clay did say that it's not going to be Britton Covey moving forward, despite oh, his commendable he? efforts. Yeah, yesterday he said it's not going to be Covey moving forward. So I assume Kern is going to be the guy. So now they have new like new mechanics to work through, and they have a new whole special teams operation. They got to get down pat. 
before the postseason because I'm telling you, you don't want to ask Tony Romo. You don't want to botch field goal snap to end your postseason. So, no, you don't. So, so let's hope that that's not going to be the one area that despite all of this, we lose a playoff game based on based on some something wild like that. I would pitch myself off my off off my balcony. Uh, any special teams worries? Britton Covey's been a little better. Boston Scott had a nice little return, but it's the Giants, so you know to be expected for Boston Scott to get <laughs> to, to to get some juice. Do you know anything about this punter? I know he's been in the league for a while. He's been he's been pretty good. Yeah, I mean he's <laughs> punter. I, he's a punter. I don't, yeah, we don't, don't care. We don't. I care. do watch a lot of film. I don't watch much special teams. You don't watch film. punter film. No punter film. Uh, no coffin corners. No. <laughs> and I know I know people were. They're excited about the return game, and the return game's been good the last two weeks. Uh, Covey's done well on punts. Scott's done well on kickoffs. That was never the aspect of special teams that really concerned me too much. When your offense is so good, what is the difference in 10 yards on that? What has always concerned me is the negative plays with special teams. And even in the Giants game, the Eagles get the punt blocked, and it sets up the touchdown to make it 21-7. to And it doesn't matter because it's the Giants. But those are the types of things that I'm concerned with special teams-wise. Uh, hopefully they can smooth those things out. I'm surprised actually that Covey is not going to be the holder. Uh, you know, usually you're going to have some, you're, you have a contingency plan for holder. I'm surprised they're not going to roll with Covey moving forward instead of uh, just integrating Kern. So, you know, hopefully that goes well. This game shouldn't come down to a field goal, but you want to have all those mechanics down before Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, his quote, they asked him, uh, is Covey going to continue as the Eagles holder? Michael Clay said, oh no. So I guess... I guess he wasn't impressed. I thought he did a good job. I mean, and good on Jake Elliott for punting. That was not bad punts. He had some. He had I remember some him doing punt. that a year or two ago. He had a punt too. Uh, <laughs> Jake, Jake Elliott, versatile, versatile, versatile guy. Respect to Aaron Sipos, though. I mean, not many players have the instincts to, especially at punters that just kind of a uh, uh, pick it up, run for it. And I, I thought part of me thought he got that first down. So he scooped that up one handed. I'm just saying yeah, that's man. impressive. Like they <laughs> tell defensive players not to try to scoop the ball on a fumble, just dive on it. This is punter just scooped it one handed. Can you imagine if he would have like stuck his foot in the ground, hit that inside juke, and picked up the first down? Oh, oh man, been incredible. Been I, Michael Clay would might might be might be uh, might be might be back next year if it was if he was able to pull that off. Um, one last topic before we get out of here, since we're talking about coordinators, um, I have this conversation uh, repeatedly with with my co-host on on my other podcast, and I want your thought on it too because I believe that both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon are more, more than likely going to going to be leading their own football teams. Um, next season, regardless of the outcome of the season, God forbid they get bounced in the divisional round or whatever, because you have to look at the stats. Offensively, the Eagles lead the league in points per game. They're like third in, in total yards per game. Defensively, the Eagles are top three across the board in almost every category. So in my opinion, I think it's going to be uh, tough to have these guys back as, as your coordinators next year when every coordinator's dream and goal is to obviously lead their own football team. Uh, one day Steichen in my opinion has been in his bag all year all the, the play designs the, the the schemes to get people open uh, I think has been has been top tier credited he should be he's he's been responsible for the whole turnaround since the two and five start what have the Eagles been like 18 and, and two what is it I, I don't know the exact uh the exact stat since that two and five start but man this since Steichen has taken over play calling the Eagles have been virtually unstoppable dating back to a last season. So do you think we're, we're, we're going to have new uh, coordinators next year when it's all set it up? Yeah, I think Steichen is definitely going to be gone. Uh, he's going to get credited with a lot of the evolution of the offense. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I don't know. Y- that's always hard to parse out. Like he's not responsible for Hertz leap. Uh, the offense he's designed is good. A lot of it comes from Stoutland with the run game stuff, but 
I think Steichen is 100% going to be gone at the end of the season. Gannon is a diff- more difficult thing. Uh, you know, he got smoke last year as a head coaching candidate, which tells me that he interviews really well because his defense it was last the Texans, year was, all right? Yeah, it was the Texans. No. <laughs> yeah, his defense last year wasn't good. So that just tells me he inter- interviews well, which is always a plus. But generally, teams are going to hire offensive head coaches. And when you think about hiring a defensive head coach, D'Amico Ryans is the top of that list. D'Amico right. Ryans gets right. the job if he wants it. And so you're going to have to have at least a second team that wants a defensive coach. Uh, and then you also, he's going to have to compete with like Evero, the, the uh, Broncos defensive coordinator is also a hot name out there. So it might be a little bit of a numbers game. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Gannon doesn't get a job, not because he hasn't done a good job, but just out of that numbers crunch. But but I definitely think Steichen is gone. And it wouldn't surprise me if Gannon is as well. Um, as far as next NFL coach to be fired, as far as the odds are concerned, Nathaniel Hackett with the Broncos, I'd be shocked if he's back next year. Uh, Stefanski with the Browns. I mean, that whole Brown organization has a lot to figure out. So <laughs> maybe they start with the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Really? They don't like what Cliff is doing. I, I I see I see him catch some slander actually. Now there's no Kyler though, so we'll have to see. Then Todd Bowles, Brandon Staley. Hey, there's a lot of. I don't know where you are on the as far as like the Justin Herbert social media quarterback thing, but uh, <laughs> I feel like Brandon Staley limits this man. Is that is that not true? <laughs> well, Joe Lombardi limits him. Joe Lombardi's the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Uh, but yeah, Joe Lombardi's offense is atrocious, and I think Brandon Staley is a fine coach. But mm. if you if you have to fire Staley to get rid of Lombardi because they're buddies, then do it because Lombardi's yeah. a, offensive to football. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Hackett's got to be the guy to go. Like the Broncos are married to Russell Wilson; that they, they can't get out of that. They have so, no choice; they have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so you have Hackett, who the ownership group that's there now is not the ones who hired Hackett. They're not tied to him in that respect. I think you get rid of him and you try to get somebody in that can salvage that. Uh, I would go get Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, uh, Big Lou. Mm. He's done so mm. good against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and you're in their division. You want to win that division. I'd go get him. So that's another defensive mind as well that could be out there and named. Uh, so I think I think Hackett could go. Uh, everybody in Tampa should be fired. It's just atrocious. Everybody in Tampa should be gone. Uh, who was the other one you said? Uh, the odds were Nathaniel Hackett, Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. Uh, Todd Bowles with the Bucks because that whole mm-hmm. thing is just 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 wild. Uh, and then you got uh, Lovey Smith with the Texans, and then Dennis Allen with the Saints because I guess the Sean Payton yeah stuff doesn't go away, so that is what it is. So maybe maybe uh, Jonathan Gannon, coach of the Denver Broncos next year, we'll see. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon leading Russell Wilson, yeah, well, that'll be it, it. Would be hilarious be, if they fired Vic Fangio to hire and then and fire Nathaniel jobs. Hackett and then go. <laughs> Hire Jonathan Gannon, who is a Fangio disciple. That that would yeah. be hilarious. That'd be that'd be something. Fangio was a consultant with whatever the Eagles were doing in the summer, anyway. So that'd be that a lot of connections uh, to be made there. Any final points uh, you want to hit on before we uh before we wrap this up? Eagles twelve and one. They dominate on both sides of the ball. Let us all pray that special teams isn't the culprit of a of a of a loss in the pl- in the postseason. Uh, anything else you uh, want to touch on? I think that's going to about wrap it up. Uh, this should be should be being the operative phrase here, this should be a pretty laid back game. The Eagles should go in and take care of business, get the starters out and go get ready for Dallas on Christmas Eve. So uh, that'll be the biggest game of the year. Like you said, the Eagles, if they win against Chicago, they go beat Dallas. They have clinched the one seed in the NFC. So 
it's crazy that they could clinch that with two games left, but it's a possibility. Yeah, it is, it is. It is wild stuff. Look forward to watching how uh, Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts face off on Sunday. And then, as we all know, the much anticipated Christmas Eve game against the Dallas Cowboys, where Michael Parsons apparently feels that though Jalen Hurts is not a, a, a deserving MVP candidate. But what else is he going to say in a situation like that? Appreciate you guys for listening to this week's episode of the EPA podcast. That's Eagles player analysis right here on BGN Radio. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at uh, the Philly pod. Be sure to keep track of everything that's going on with Philadelphia sports over at the Liberty line.com. Be sure to follow my co-host as always Shane at half and half underscore TPL Shane. Well, I already just said where they can find you, but let the people know what you got going on your YouTube channel, all that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. You can follow me on YouTube as well at Shane half NFL. I've got a, I'll have a video coming out today on the Eagles sacks against the giants. I'm going to try to get something out uh, on some of Jalen hurts passing plays, but, the content will be a little slow for me the next two weeks with all the Christmas travels and stuff, but I'll be back to it uh, after the Dallas game, breaking all that down for you guys. So be sure you're following me on YouTube and on Twitter. And of course, subscribe here to the EPA podcast on BGN radio. Yes, sir. I'm sure to go to that YouTube channel. Uh, last time I looked, you were, you were doing decent views. That channel, this channel is popping off. You're getting like yeah. one and a half K, two K views. Yeah, on and on and popping. The compliments coming across. He is one of the uh, most approachable. I watch a few videos when I don't even know what's going on with certain plays as a guy that, that follows the Eagles as closely as I do. And it's approachable content. It doesn't confuse you if you uh, want to learn more about the game and basic concepts of what the Eagles have been able to accomplish this season. Be sure to go ahead and uh, subscribe. To that channel like shane says subscribe to the uh bgn radio keep track on all the shows they have going on here at bleeding green nation we'll catch you guys next week with another iteration of the epa podcast we'll catch you guys on the next one go birds baby go birds